2: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Fantasy Football
3: Weekly, a production of (sighs) iHeartRadio. Time now for
4: Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Now, along with the guys from GuillotineLeagues.com, here's your host, Paul Charchian.
3: Welcome to a playoff edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchi and My co-hosts today are Scott Fish and Matt Harrison. Hello, gentlemen you're sounding excited maybe a little spunky playoffs yes how many how many uh teams do you have alive still three that's good i have three alive that's um, good yep uh i've got uh, a guillotine a regular and a uh, and a 20 uh, man redraft Ooh, nice. left. that's yeah. good how
5: about you scott I also got three. Uh, do, are, is your fishbowl team alive?
3: No. Gosh. Oh, man. Mine no. died last week. Mine died in August. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it's been over for a long time, unfortunately, for me in that one. We've got lots to get to over the course of the show. We're going to break down every game fantasy style like we always do. Letter grades on each of the notable players. You will hear three tough questions, which we will answer, and you can play along. We'll give you nine players upon whom you can take a chance. And honestly, you're still there are still... Players, yeah. you can get off the waiver wire, even with a playoff roster that can be better than your guys. The single biggest mistake you can rake, make right now is just blindly assuming the guys that got you to the playoffs yep. Keenan are the Allen. best guys. Yeah. Keenan
6: playing. Allen. I had Tyron Johnson in three leagues on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. And then I dropped him right before the game. Did you really? Because Keenan Allen and Michael <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, That's right. They ended up playing. I wasn't going to waste a spot on a player that was going to play. Yeah.
3: Uh, go look at that, man. <laughs> The Raiders secondary. Whew, man, was that bad? Get dolphins and, for week 16. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh let's uh let's let's start with our Saturday games. There are two Saturday games. Yeah. Uh we've got a mid-afternoon game and an early evening game. Let's begin with the Buffalo Bills taking on the Denver Broncos. And for me, this is a uh this is a green light start for Josh Allen. All three of Denver's starting cornerbacks are out for this game. Right. I think this is a great opportunity for Josh Allen.
6: So the guy who's got multiple touchdowns and or 300 yards in all but one game this year is a green light star.
3: <laughs> Breaking news, right? <laughs> Thanks, charge.
6: I do have an A grade on him. Uh, the, the weird thing is Denver's only allowed two passing touchdowns since week nine, but they allowed three rushing and the competition was not Josh Allen. No. Uh, <laughs> not even close, in fact. Um, Allen, I mentioned, had multiple touchdowns and or 300 plus yards in In almost every game, but every game that he's attempted at least 25 passes, Mm -hmm. he has done it. And that's a fairly low bar against the team that has allowed that in basically every single game. I have an A grade on Allen. Diggs is basically unbenchable at this point. Yeah, I don't think I need to spend a lot of time on him. I have an A grade there Uh, with John Brown out. Gabriel Davis has scored every game John Brown has been out. Yeah. He just has. No wide receiver is top 70 yards against the Broncos since week nine. Uh, but with Davis's ability to score and Beasley having 10-plus targets in three of the last four, three of those with John Brown out, mm-hmm. I gave him both C grades. I think Beasley gets a lot of targets. I think Davis might score again.
3: I like him more than you do. I've got high rank. I got, I've got B grades on both guys. No, oh,
6: all right. I'm all more right. optimistic. Well, I do have Moss and Singletary on the bench. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Charge. They flipped again last week. I, mean, I know. Moss is getting more snaps, but the touches, they're not just not coming. Uh, Singletary had more touches. La- or, uh, Moss had more touches uh, in the Steelers game, and then Singletary had more touches last week. And neither of them are barely averaging over three yards per carry I right know. now. It's really frustrating. The running back you want on this team is Josh Allen, yeah. is really That's, what it is. Yeah. So I have them on the bench. Over to the Broncos side. I do have a C grade on Drew Locke. The Bills have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in four of the last five. 300 plus yards in three of the last five. And that's not really a recent trend. They've allowed six games over 300 passing yards this year. They've allowed multiple touchdowns in mm-hmm. games nine times. Nine that's times?
3: Time. Nine times. Nine times. You don't say.
6: Locke's been inconsistent, but he's, get, he's been hot lately. So I'm giving him a C grade here. Hot
3: lately is maybe an, even an under. He just played, seven the, best. T- he just seven played the best game of his career last week.
6: Yeah, seven touchdowns in the last two weeks. Yeah. I mean, he's he's get, But, you know, matchups. <laughs> this is a Bills matchup. It's a little yeah. different. Uh, I do have C grades on most of his receivers as well, though. Hamler gets deep. He, he's got two big, deep plays each game. Drew Locke has kind of a DGAF yeah. attitude. He'll I throw like it up that. to him. Yes. Yeah. So uh, with the chance that Hamler gets a big play, Tim Patrick. He's scoring. He's He's got six touchdowns in the last seven games. Mm-hmm. He has three in the last two games, and they've thrown it to him in the end zone three times in the last two games. He's just getting those plays, but he can also go off for a 100. He's done that twice in the last six games. Yeah. So uh, their range of outcomes really is a 4-for-40 floor based on the last few weeks with – much more upside. So I have C grades on both of them. No Fant, also a C grade because nearly every tight end against the Bills to hit seven targets had a really good day. We're talking 60-plus yards, bunch of catches, some touchdowns. And Fant has done that a bunch of times this year. I think that he's in for a C grade there. Bills allowing the fifth most points to tight ends. On the running back's. Gordon, I'm giving a C grade, and I got Lindsay on the bench. Yeah, it's been a bad
3: yeah. year for Lindsay. My guy. You know, just really disappointing.
6: Yeah, really recently the Chargers, 49ers, and Steelers barely did anything against the Bills, but Eckler had a good day through the air. So did several others. Gordon's been catching about three balls a game. Uh, Denver and uh, Gordon's also probably in like for sixteen in line for 16 plus touches, which he's done a bunch of times recently. Almost every game he's had a full game this year. So he's going to get that, that really nice volume C i like to give out
3: (laughs) the volume c you're not tricking anybody Mm. with the volume c carolina takes on green bay matt and the way you beat the packers is on the ground yes and to a to a a certain degree through the air for running backs oh so christian mccaffrey wait uh oh Oh, not again another mike davis start but it's an awfully good looking one on paper and I didn't think Mike
5: Davis would have a good week last week against Denver and their tough run defense Mm -hmm. because Denver's a good run defense, and his numbers were just trending the wrong way. But I was totally off on that one, so I'll fire him up this week against the Pack with a B grade. Basically every team but the Lions and Eagles have had a running back just put up awesome numbers against the Packers this year. Um, Moving on to the passing game, Teddy Bridgewater. I'm only going to give him a C grade here. Mm -hmm. In his last 14 starts, Teddy Bridgewater has two 300 yard games and has topped two touchdown passes never. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he's thrown over 40 passing attempts only three times this year he doesn't have enough volume to elevate his game past the c grade in my opinion and the packers have knocked out each of the last two quarterbacks they faced either with poor play or injury prior to that sad trombonski did rack up some nice garbage time numbers and philip rivers actually did pick apart this secondary but i don't see it for bridgewater no nope. dj moore is back from covid but he just gets a c because teddy Still hasn't really focused on more this year. He's averaging only four catches per game, and will probably draw more Jair Alexander coverage than Robbie Anderson, who I'm also giving a C. Curtis Samuel, he gets a C. I actually prefer benching them all, but the prospect of garbage time points is there. With the Packers' pass defense, there's no real angle, unless your name is Richie James. (laughs) He's the only player to beat the Packers for more than 100 yards on the season. They're tough against the slot, and they're tough against the outside. Over to the Packers' side, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams all are getting A-grades, and we don't really even need to talk about no, that. The Panthers really aren't good enough to stop them. Uh, the two guys in the Packers we do need to talk about, Jamal Williams, I am giving a C-grade to. The Panthers' run defense made you believe Ronald Jones was good. Hmm. And in games that are in hand, Jamal Williams gets double-digit touches. He did it last week against Detroit. He did it two weeks ago against Chicago. Green Bay is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at home, so this is a great possibility of plenty of garbage time in the second half. Finally, Robert Tunyon. Yeah. Strong B-grade here. he's He's been very effective for most of the second half of the season. How about this efficiency? Tunyon has five targets in four straight games. Five receptions in three of those four games. Pretty good. And a touchdown in each of those four games. We'll take that. That's bankable right there. So Tunyon gets a B. The Panthers have allowed a touchdown to a tight end three times in the last four games. And two of those games where they didn't allow a tight end score? They allowed exactly sixty-eight yards to opposing tight end, so I think Tunyon's in a in a nice little spot here. Yeah, and if he's available in your league for some dumb reason, no chance, probably not. But uh, yeah, he's startable. Put him
3: in. He's my number four ranked tight end this week. Oh wow, I got that kind of right. Yeah, you absolutely did. Wow, here we go. Yeah, well as as will be proven on Saturday. Don't forget to set your set all your lineups. Double check everything Saturday morning before those games go off. And if you're listening to this after Saturday, you'll already know whether or not we were right about Robert Tunyon. Well, don't listen to it after Saturday. Well, some stations air it
6: after Saturday. Oh, I get you.
3: After Saturday. Oh, that's why. Tell us how Robert so there, Tunyon it, did. Yes. Tweet me uh, at
6: explosive out. output. So if we did really bad, there might be people turning it off right here. Right. Yeah, right now. They should going, not These do. guys know nothing.
3: <laughs> I have the luxury of not having a Saturday game. <laughs> oh, oh I see how this
6: worked out. Correct. Funny. Listen for charges. advice. That's right. the, rest of the show.
3: Seahawks taking on the Washington football team. Let's begin with Chris Carson. Washington. Washington. Washington started the season as a daunting run defense, but since their week eight bye, even mediocre teams have had good rushing games against Washington. The Giants, the Lions, the 49ers backs have averaged 162 total yards and almost one and a half touchdowns per game. Washington, Chris Carson, his top five yards per carry and scored in every game since his return from injury. He hasn't seen a ton of touches, which is concerning, but I think he's now sitting on what should be a closer game and I think more touches. They've been mm-hmm. working in Carlos Hyde before because he wasn't fully healthy. They had a blowout win against the Jets. I think now that this game means a lot I think Chris Carson, and we'll be closer. Chris Carson will get a beat. Well, and the Seahawks lost their division lead, so they need to start winning again. That's right. No dorking around. Yep. Carlos Hyde, thank you very much. Now let's go to the passing game, which is way more fascinating and really tricky for fantasy owners. Russell Wilson, only a B grade here. First, just erase last week's Jets game from your memory because they do not count. <laughs> In the five games prior to playing the league's worst team, Wilson averaged just 231 yards and one touchdown per game. 231 and one. That is downright Glenonian. De- that's Glenonian. Right. Washington's defense has been great since week six. Their pass defense, in particular, allowing almost exactly those numbers 215 yards and 1.3 touchdowns per game. That's it. Russell Wilson is not an automatic start on your team. He is my quarterback ranked, I believe, 11 right now for this week. You may have better options as that guy that you don't normally start. And you know this, or you should know this, because you've been starting Russell Wilson and it hasn't always paid off. Let's go to DK Metcalf. I'm still giving him an A grade in spite of everything I just said, because he's DK Metcalf. And the football team has been exposed a bit recently, allowing a 100-yard receiver or multiple receiver touchdowns in three straight. Metcalf lines up on the left the most often that puts him up against Kendall Fuller who is usually a very good cornerback although he has had some inconsistent games of late. Then Tyler Lockett slumping down to a C grade. Mostly he's been a boomer bust receiver and we doesn't when he does not score he busts and this is a bad matchup for a touchdown dependent player because working out of the slot he lines up against Jimmy Moreland, who is not allowed a touchdown and is giving up just 40 yards in his coverage since week two. So Tyler at C grade. And honestly, it might be a charitable C grade at that. Let's go to the Washington side where Dwayne Haskins, your starting quarterback, and that pretty much tells you where this is going to head. The only starting players with a uh, the only players, with a starting grade. Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick. Let's just touch on them briefly. For Logan Thomas, over the last three weeks, he's roughly tight end six, depending on your scoring system. He's been very effective in those games in the last three weeks. He's caught 18 of 19 passes that have been thrown his way while averaging six catches for 54 yards. He scored twice in three games, so he's he comes in on a good roll here. Logan Thomas will face a Seattle secondary that's been hit hard by opposing tight ends for much of the second half of the season. C-grade. J.D. McKissick, also a C-grade. I don't, I don't think he's going to run for very much, and the Seahawks have been a good run defense all year long, but Seahawks are bottom seven in allowing receptions and receiving yards to running backs. So, I think McKissick gets back to something close to the double-digit targets that he does periodically enjoy. What about Terry McLaurin, you might be asking? T- Free McLaurin! He's on the bench. Oh, no. Yeah, afraid so. <laughs> Hot <at all. laughs> For two straight weeks, McLaurin had two catches in less than 25 yards. Dwayne Haskins is under helm. It's not a death sentence to have Dwayne Haskins. And he, he is, throughout his career, he's put up decent enough box scores with Dwayne Haskins. But... Uh, Seattle's pass defense has gotten to be downright good. They're not the worst pass defense anymore. No, no, they're one (laughs) of the best right now. Seattle (laughs) hasn't allowed a receiver to reach 50 yards in three games. Wow. And hasn't allowed a receiver to score in five games. They are arguably the best pass defense over the last three weeks. A total 180 for the Seattle defense, and that's why they... Will want to. Uh, that's why I think they will be able to shut down Terry McLaurin. You want to keep him on the bench. I'm not even going to discuss Peyton Barber. We can agree. No, here in the fantasy playoffs, Peyton Barber has. That's no a non-starter. Bu- right no there. business being anywhere near your roster. When we come back, nine players upon whom you can take a chance. Segment we call Take a Chance on Me. Guys you would not normally start. A lot of these guys on the waiver wire right now, but have very good matchups or other circumstances that make them playable. Find out who they are when we return to Fantasy Football Weekly.
1: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
3: Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. You guys have good news. We may have a replacement, Take a Chance of Me son. Oh um, yes. Um, yep, yes. I'm working on it. Some original material Ooh. from a band that's interested in uh in helping us out with a better version of Dave ta- which mm. is anything other than this. A better version. I cannot wait. I know. It will be it'll be a happy day.
5: Debuted in twenty twenty
3: one. Um I'm hoping next week oh, for our final, our final show of the year. Full, our final full show of the year, the two-hour edition, the full podcast. We podcast all year long, Fantasy Football Weekly, but the over-the-air two-hour version is, comes to an end next week. So make sure you subscribe to Fantasy Football Weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. Absolutely true. Take a chance on me, nine players you would not normally start. We begin at the quarterback position, Scott.
6: I am going with Jared Goff. He gets those Jets, who are the second worst against quarterbacks, third most yards uh, and touchdowns allowed to to quarterbacks. Over the last six weeks, this is what the Jets have allowed to opposing quarterbacks on average. 325 yards and 3.4 touchdowns. Mm, that's crazy. <laughs> that is. Those are Even unreal Jared numbers. Jared Goff
3: can't mess this up. No, no, no. <laughs>
6: As inconsistent as he can be. He cannot mess this up.
3: All right. Your take a chance with me, quarterback. Matt. Uh, Baker Mayfield,
5: he's thrown for over 330 yards in two straight games, multiple touchdown passes in three straight. The Giants, a pretty tough pass defense all year long, anchored by the great play-by-corner James Bradbury, but he's he's gone. He's on the COVID list, and he won't play this week. That opens the field for Baker. I like it. Yes.
3: Three Uh, straight weeks. I'm using sad Trombonski. you got to stop calling him sad Trombonski at this point. You know what? You might be right. Happy Trombonski. He's worked out for me in all of his starts so far. He's thrown multiple touchdowns in four of his five full games. The key to Trombonski's renewed success is having the good sense to throw to Allen Robinson constantly. Since returning to the starting job, he's targeting Robinson 11 times per game, creating 91 yards and one touchdown per game just to Robinson. And Robinson's got positive matchups all over the field against the Vikings. Tissue, thin, secondary. Let's go to the running back position. Scott.
6: I am going with Jeff Wilson, despite the fact that Raheem Mostert is off the injury report and he's, he's supposedly ready to go. Mm-hmm. He's He's been dealing with an ankle injury, and I do think it's going to be somewhat of a split. Wilson has seven red, do- red zone touches in just the last two weeks. All the other running backs for the 49ers combined have three. Uh, he's had nine-plus touches in five of his eight healthy games, including four straight. Um, and... The Ravens had two running backs do great against the 49ers. The Vikings had two running backs, do, or sorry, uh, against the Cowboys. The, the Ravens and the Vikings both had two running backs do great against. So I think that there's room for Wilson.
3: I, I agree with you. I think it's a savvy move. Yeah. Uh, Matt, let's go with your take a chance to be running back. I've got Damian Harris, who's down to 55%
5: ownership in ESPN leagues. And that's because since the return of Sony Michelle, Harris is down to the heavy end of a 60-40 timeshare. Uh, That still probably works in this case because they play the Dolphins this week. And what did the Patriots do the first time they played the Dolphins? It's absolutely bonkers. They ran the ball 26 times with their running backs. Hmm. They ran the ball 15 times with their quarterback. (laughs) And they added another six receptions by their backs. They're going to run a single wing or a wishbone here and just run it over and over. And a few weeks ago, the Dolphins faced... The Broncos, who were not passing well at that time, they had Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay in the backfield. Each of them carried the ball 15 times. Each of them went over 80 yards on the ground. I think that's the blueprint for the Patriots here.
3: My take a chance on me running back is Lynn Bowden. Of the Miami Dolphins, the aforementioned. Sure. He might be a wide receiver
6: in it, some well, leagues. He, he does play wide receiver, it, but he's it, dual, it, but dual, it, it, dual it, eligibility.
3: depending on, on his eligibility. Pretty, yeah. pretty much every uh, every online scoring, yep. every online system, Lynn Bowden's treated like a running yep. back. And really, he does take a few snaps in the backfield, but mostly he's a wide out. Mm-hmm. Some combination of the following Dolphins are going to miss this
6: game. He even threw a pass.
3: <laughs> Miles Gaskin, Savan Ahmed, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, and Jakeem Grant. I don't know which ones are going to be in or out, and they're all game time decision I don't know for sure but some combination they're going to be out and that's going to give space for our hybrid utility runner receiver Lynn Bowden like last week when he led the Dolphins in targets receptions and yards he was on the field more than any Dolphins skill player other than Tua last week New England's a good defense but not the impenetrable defense
6: we have seen in recent years. Charge. He also played quarterback and he threw a pass last week. I Are you going to call the quarterback touchdown? From oh, the we have a controversy.
3: Not only, not only that,
6: I am. I am not only
3: calling a a quarterback a passing, a quarterback, touchdown? A passing touchdown to himself oh. as, as wide receiver. In fact, I think we're going to. Well, I'm going to go one step further. I think he is going to execute a halfback option. From quarterback him to running back him throwing the ball to receiver him all all in Bowden. How about didn't Nelson double? do that on the Simpsons one time? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I,
6: I think he should do a double flea flicker. He should two get flea flicker two himself. hands into a flip, flea flicker to it two flips it back to him, him. and then he throws, throws it downfield missed, to himself like Mister Perfect style. Yeah,
3: I like it absolutely. Let's go to the wide receiver wow. position, Scott. You're a chance for me, receiver.
6: I'm going with Jared Cook, which feels a little gross. There's three different players in this game I could, I could definitely take a chance on. Mm-hmm. But this is a team that just allowed 110 yards and two scores to the Gaseki shaheen Smythe group. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird... Uh, they're a law firm, isn't it? I think so. They allowed four for 57 to Fant. They allowed 10 for 140 to Gronk and Brait. 88 and one to Waller. Witten even scored in that one. Over the last four, they're just getting demolished by tight ends. With Michael Thomas out, I think Jared Cook might see some work.
3: All right. And your receiver, Matt.
5: Uh, Rashard Higgins of the Browns. Did I mention that James Bradbury is out?
3: Yes, you
6: did. Uh,
5: Higgins has nine and ten targets in the last two weeks. Six receptions in both games. He has scored a touchdown in each of those games. He's putting up the numbers we wanted Odell Beckham to put up in Cleveland, and he's doing it right now.
3: The Eagles' secondary is a disaster. Safety Rodney McLeod tore his ACL last week. Cornerback Avante Maddox is going to miss this game with a knee injury, and Darius Slay's in the concussion protocol. So you roll all that together, Christian Kirk. He remains a instrumental part of the Cardinals' offense, averaging a 90% snap share over the last month. He's kind of a low-volume guy. He's usually like three catches, four catches. So you got to pick your spots. But against that banged-up secondary, this feels like one for Christian Kirk. And Christian Kirk's been very predictable this yeah, year. In, it, the, it, in, 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 in the spots the, in that this, are right. wide open like this, Grade he's one. been really good. I think you're right. Detroit takes on Tennessee, Scott, and... I, I just got this feeling this is like the big DeAndre Swift, you know, Big the big blowout game coming right here. I want to believe it's all going to come together. The heavy usage, he should be fully it's healthy now.
6: This feels like the spot. Especially if think? Stafford doesn't go. Stafford's right. a tough SOB. I, no, so I, 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 I don't think he's going. Uh, In
3: fact, I'm not sure he ever plays another game as a Lion, but that's a whole other conversation.
6: The, here's the thing. I had Swift as a B-grade with Daniel, because I'm worried about that offense keeping it moving, and an A-grade with Stafford.
3: <laughs> Which I, I think that's fair.
6: Yeah. Uh, Titans are seventh worst against running backs. Swift Termed and he was supposed to be limited, and he kind of was because he didn't get a lot of touches, but he did a lot with them. He also has uh, five targets, uh, got five targets, which I love to see. Yeah. You know, I love to see that kind of workload. Given the matchup, the 15 plus touch range, four to five balls, I I put a B grade on him with Daniel in because (laughs) it's a good matchup against the seventh worst ranked uh, uh, Titans there. Chase Daniel, I'm actually going to put a C grade on. Okay. I'm actually going to give him a C grade. But in in practicality, who's going to start him in your championship the game? No. Like it has Semifinals. to be a super flex. Yes. You just lost Taysom Hill or something yeah. who you were starting. Maybe uh, Titans fifth worst against quarterbacks, second worst against wide receivers, so that passing game might be able to get some work going, and they're likely to fall behind so they're going to have to pass to catch up. I have Marvin Jones with a C grade. Kenny Galladay out again. I'm not even sure he plays for the team anymore nope. at this point. Well,
3: franchise tag might muck up the works on We'll see.
6: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like a lot Jones a lot more if Stafford goes, but under Chase Daniel, the matchup's just too juicy. Tennessee ranks 26th against the pass. Uh t- he's going to get a good matchup against Kenny Vaccaro and Jones is averaging 9.6 targets per game over the last 5 which is a lot of volume. That is a lot of volume. Amendola I have on the bench but Hawkinson I got a B grade too because in a year of terrible tight ends like every year no matter how much we try to pretend to ourselves that it won't be uh he's been consistent every day and week at least 50 yards and or a touchdown in all but one game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even with Daniel in I'm I'm going to give I'm going to give him the b grade on the other side uh derrick henry should have been my take a chance on me player no stop <laughs> obvious a for derrick henry obvious a for uh, a.j brown who has only one dodd all year i over analyzed it that week <laughs> gave him like a c grade or something but he's only got one dot all year a grade for Antonio or a.j brown ryan tannehill b grade We called the get-right game for Tannehill a couple weeks ago against Cleveland. He had multiple scores again last week. Mm. The Lions have allowed multiple scores uh, to nine quarterbacks, Mm. 240-plus to all but one. And they've allowed three touchdowns per game to quarterbacks over the last three. I think it's another good spot for Tannehill. B-grade there. Corey Davis... He's been a little more hit and miss recently, but this is a Lions team that is fourth worst against wide receivers. In the last five weeks alone, they've allowed over 1,200 yards to to wide receivers in five weeks. Uh, The next closest team, 883. So that's unreal separation there. Uh, So that's 241 yards per game to wide receivers. I think he's going to have some room to work. Can we we get Tannehill to an A then? You love his
3: receivers. He's an A. I got him as an A. I do too.
6: I wonder if Derrick Peer Henry pressure. gets. I it'll, wonder if Derrick Henry, get, up. Derrick Henry gets. Henry gets two hundred plus yards, maybe. They're though they're saving like, him for the playoffs. Now they're gonna chuck it. I'm I'm keeping with a B <laughs> because I think they might run too much. They might get up too much and run too much.
3: New England takes on Miami, Matt, and you already said you like Damian Harris mm-hmm. as your take a chance of me running back. Is there any part of the rest of the team that you like? Is there any part of the rest of the game that we haven't already talked about? <laughs> well, uh, so
5: Newton, I'm giving him a C grade. These two teams did square off in week one, like I mentioned. The Pats didn't even try to pass the ball. Uh, Newton ran 15 times, had 75 rushing yards and two scores in that game. Uh, considering Cam is averaging 90 passing yards per game over his last three <laughs> God, games. It's insanely bad for and an NFL quarterback. What's
6: weird is that It's feels bad high. for a high
5: school quarterback. Yeah. But he's averaging 10 rushing attempts per game. That sounds like a high school quarterback. It does. Um, That's why I'm giving him a C, uh, because the Pats just might run the wishbone the whole time. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go with Jacoby Myers and any of the receivers with 90 yards per game. And it sounds like Julian Edelman looks like he might return in this one. But you're not picking him up at this point. Mm -mm. Tua. I got him on the bench this week. Uh, the Pats just held Kyler, Air Bear, and Goff to an average of 172 passing yards over the last three weeks with only one score between the three of them. And Tua looked all right last week against Kansas City, but he's just not generating enough with his feet mm-hmm. to overcome this really bad passing matchup, especially when you consider the injuries at wide receiver. Uh, Charge mentioned Devontae Parker with a hamstring, Jakeem Grant with a hamstring, both trending the wrong way. So is Mike Gesicki with a shoulder injury I fear all three will miss time so insert Lynn Bowden as your take a chance on me wide receiver slash running back and then Miles Gaskin is still on the COVID list and they're talking like he might not go again this week which is why DeAndre Washington started last week and looked like a dumpster fire Mm -hmm. so we might see Patrick Laird more this week
3: speaking of dumpster fires he's looked brutal too that's yeah That's
6: it. it. Not really. He's just looked like Patrick Laird. He's
3: been been very Patrick Laird, hasn't he? Yeah, it, it certainly has looked that way. When we come back, Chicago takes on Minnesota. The Vikings passing attack missed a great opportunity last week to roll up big numbers. How about this week? Can you trust Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen in a matchup against the Bears? We'll tell you when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly.
2: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you're
1: an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like,
2: Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that!
3: Welcome back to Fantasy Football Weekly. Final segment of our number one of Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Chargian, Scott Fish, and Matt Harrison with you. Chicago takes on Minnesota. Let's start on the Chicago side. Mitch Trubisky was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I do like him in this spot. So why are you he sad?
6: They're all wrong one again. <laughs>
3: no, it's just... He just likes that one. I just like this one. He does it because it's
6: like 35 seconds long. It is. You want to waste
3: time on the show. I do like to waste time on the show. It just A little soothing background trombone solo behind this epic matchup with Allen Robinson getting an A grade. As I mentioned earlier, averaging 91 yards over the past three games with Trubisky under center the bears another possible matchup against division rival minnesota who are allowing 182 yards per game to receivers over the last 4 games that is the eighth most over the last 4 robinson has traditionally struggled against the Vikings, though. Averaging just 58 scoreless yards in four games. But I still think he's got good matchups in especially two of the three spots. So he lines up all across the... Uh, all I have a fun field. stat here. On oh, yeah. Robinson. Please give it to me. Yeah.
6: The Vikings have allowed 48 pass plays of over 20 yards. Allen Robinson has not 18 on his uh, on his own. That's a lot. 18 pass plays or that is receptions a lot. over 20 yards. For a guy
3: who's been catching balls from Nick Foles for half the season, that's a lot of deep <laughs> yeah. plays for Allen Robinson. Also, Darnell Mooney gets a C grade here. He scored last week, and I frequently mentioned him as a dart throw. I mentioned it last week. We did get a touchdown out of that. Wait a minute. Same thing here. Vikings are down to undrafted journeyman Chris Jones, at cornerback who most often see Mooney, who runs from the right side of the field the most often that's Jones' side of the field. So I like Darnell Mooney with a C grade. Cole Komet, tight end. He spiked to a new high with an 85% snap share last week, and the Vikings are without star linebacker Eric Kendricks once again. Without Kendricks the past two weeks, Rob Gronkowski scored, and the week before that, the anonymous Jaguars tight ends combined for 10 catches and 85 yards. I like Cole Komet in this game. And then David Montgomery, A grade for him. Over the last three games, Montgomery has averaged 136 total yards and 1.3 touchdowns per game. And over the Minnesota's last four games, The Dallas, Carolina, Jacksonville and Tampa backs, and these are not exactly rushing powerhouses in Dallas, Carolina, Jacksonville and Tampa, have averaged 130 total yards and a touchdown per game. And again, the loss of tackling machine Eric Kendricks makes this a particularly good matchup for David Montgomery. Let's go to the Vikings side where Dalvin Cook is an obvious A and we're not going to spend extra time on that. But let's talk about the passing game that let us down last week. Kirk Cousins um, is a B grade here. The um, Chicago pass defense was slumping until last week when it went largely unchallenged and a blowout win against an injury depleted team. And, but prior to that, the Bears had allowed multiple passing touchdowns in six straight games. Cousins threw for 292-2 and in his Week 10 matchup with Chicago. It looks like the Bears are going to be without two starting cornerbacks in this game. Um, we believe that it's going to be Buster Screen out and Jalen Johnson in. Shaping up like a game time decision. So that That's should that should tilt the scales towards Jefferson and Thielen here. Chicago's allowed a one hundred yard receiver or multiple receiver scores in four of the past five. Um the again, only the Texans and their depleted receivers did not make that happen. Jefferson will mostly square off with rookie Jalen Johnson if he can go. And if he can't go, then I like Jalen, I like Justin Jefferson even more this week. And if he doesn't go, if Jalen Johnson does not go, elevate Justin Jefferson to an A grade. Thielen will draw the tougher coverage against Kyle Fuller, who's allowing just 35 yards in his coverage, thus the B grade on Adam Thielen. Last Viking to mention, Irv Smith. Kyle Rudolph's been ruled out, so Irv Smith becomes viable in those situations. The Bears have been incredibly vulnerable to tight ends. Chicago allowing the third most receptions, seventh most yards, eighth most touchdowns to tight ends. Let's go to our next matchup, San Francisco taking on Dallas. For San Francisco, Raheem Morris, it Morris He's a coach. (laughs) Raheem Mostert. (laughs) Raheem Mostert is expected to be available for this game. You already told us you like Jeff Wilson. What about Raheem Mostert?
6: I do. I I have a B grade on Raheem Mostert. I I do think he'll probably get the the most work of them. The Cowboys, sixth worst against running backs. I mentioned that before. And they have allowed multiple runners to have good games. Uh, Mostert, if he does get the most touches, I'm going to give him the B and Wilson the C. Uh, In the passing game, I got Mullins on the bench. He looked really bad last week, and Shanahan toyed with the idea of moving on from him, but early in the week decided, okay, I'm gonna stick with Mullins. But that concerns me that he might be on a short leash.
3: Yeah, that's that's a fair concern. Although I thought Mullins looked very good the week before yeah. against Buffalo.
6: Yeah. Um the uh the Cowboys have also held the last three quarterbacks they played to 217 or fewer yards and just four passing touchdowns combined. Yeah, that's a shocking improvement for Dallas. Yeah. Uh Brandon Ayuk, however. I have an A grade on the last two games that he played with Nick Mullins with with uh, Debo Samuel out Mm -hmm. 24 targets 17 catches nearly 200 yards and a score. Wow, that's you know last week plus the the week three the game three weeks before that. So uh, Mullins tends to get tunnel vision for him apparently in that situation. So I have an A grade on Ayuk. I think he might be targeted a ton against a Dallas team that's allowed 22 wide receiver touchdowns on their way to being the second worst at the position.
3: When we when fantasy uh, when you know those of us in the fantasy community, all of us listening, when we start when we go back and look at the rookie receivers from Mm -hmm. this. Year, I think Justin Jefferson might be one. Ayuk might be two, and it might. There's still time. He even flip flop. Ayuk might end up being the best fantasy receiver
6: out of this draft class in its in the rookie season. Yeah, and imagine if lamb had Prescott and (laughs) if Chenault had a quarterback. If T Higgins didn't lose his, I mean, it's gonna be a great. So many really good ones. So
3: many good ones. Ayuk might be the best of them. Is the (laughs) point I'm trying to make?
6: I don't think we're done on Rager yet either. I have bor- I have Bourne and James on the bench, uh, in that Week Ten game with I with Ayuk in and Samuel out, they had three and four catches uh, each of them, and in the week in last week with that same scenario, each had three catches, about th- twenty five to forty yards for each of them. I think that's probably what you're looking at again here. The matchup's a little easier, so it's it's a risk, I guess you could, but I have him on the bench. Jordan Reed also on the bench. He's splitting time with Dwelly way too much, and Dallas hasn't allowed a tight end over thirty yards since week seven wow yeah so uh another
5: big improvement for dallas yeah when leighton van der esch is healthy they lock down the tight ends pretty well
6: over on the dallas side i have dalton on the bench too a lot of bench players here over the last six to seven games here's what quarterbacks have done against the 49ers wilson rogers and josh allen torched them for four touchdowns each and averaged over 300 yards
3: those are really good quarterbacks
6: (laughs) (laughs) the other the other uh under two hundred yards and no scores each. Yeah.
3: Well, Andy Dalton <laughs> like, is in the is in the unders. Yeah, of that.
6: the Newton, Goff, Alex Smith types. Yeah. <laughs> that that's where Dalton fits. Dalton fits in that group. So I have him on the bench. I will put give Cooper a C though. Since Dalton took over, Cooper has eighty plus yards and or a score in all four. He has at least four grabs in each of them. That's seaworthy. He's getting enough volume. From He's Dalton. like a boat. Yeah, the other guys He's seaworthy. Well,
3: <laughs> uh, can he float? Traditionally, Coopers are woodworkers. Oh yes, and therefore very buoyant. Very, very buoyant, right? You know, they work with like curved wood, and then the you know the wood floats. And those people probably many of them went from Coopers to shipbuilders. Yes, there is your that's connection.
6: it. Yeah, tenuous as that was. <laughs> In all those games with uh, the non-stud quarterbacks, the second and third wide receivers did absolutely nothing. So lamb and Gallup are on the bench. Schultz is on the bench because the 49ers allowed the fewest yards and fewest receptions to tight end. Now to the running game. Ezekiel Elliott. I almost even like my bowels loosened talking about Z- Ezekiel wow. Elliott now since your question yes. a few weeks ago. That's what that smell is. <laughs> Forty. Lamar Jackson was in here before me. Uh, 49ers, seventh best against running backs, second fewest rushing touchdowns. But over the last six weeks, they've given up a t- six touchdowns over the last six weeks. So they're starting to give it up. Uh, the lead back has topped 80 yards in four straight, and that's likely to be Elliott. So I have the C grade on Elliott. I know he's got an injury. I still think he's going to get the the workload. If we find out more before game time, maybe bench both him and Pollard because I don't trust a split.
3: Agreed. Tampa Bay takes on the Atlanta Falcons, Matt, and for the Bucks, no Ronald Jones in this one mm-hmm. and the Falcons are missing some key parts of their secondary as well. Yeah, I feel like this is shaping up like a Tom Brady passing game.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm giving him a B here. Um, the Bucks will also be missing left tackle Donovan Smith, but Chart, you did mention that Darquise Dinard and Ricardo Allen are gone for the Falcons yes. the secondary, but Atlanta has not allowed a quarterback to top 250 yards in a month, and over the last five weeks the Falcons are sixth in league in passing yards allowed and Brady's thrown for multiple scores in seven of the last eight but the yardage total have been wildly inconsistent including last week uh, as far as his receivers the last Tampa Bay wide receiver to top 100 yards can you guess who it was Scotty Miller in week seven. Wow. It's been a long time.
3: That's wild. Uh,
5: But Atlanta's biggest weak spot seems to be the slot where Keenan Allen, Hunter Renfro, and Michael Thomas twice have led their team's wide receiver groups and fantasy points during a date with Atlanta in the last month. That bodes well for Chris Godwin, who I'll give an A grade to Mike Evans gets the B as the guy who's getting the targets closer to the red zone. And I think I'm benching Antonio Brown. He hasn't scored yet. And he looks like just a guy since returning,
3: you know, at the time Antonio Brown was signed, mm-hmm. if you you know if you were the guy that acquired Antonio Brown on that news, you could have traded him for almost anybody at any other absolutely. Receiver. And to this point, he has not scored. And much. you should have. You should have. Yep. Trade on news. This is just like the stock market. Trade on news and hype. Yep. And look at Le'Veon Bell. Same thing. Trade on news and hype. Another guy you probably could have traded
5: on news a few times this year, Gronk, who I'm giving a C grade to. Atlanta's really cleaned up their tight end issue since Dan Quinn left, only allowing two in the eight games since he departed. Uh, Gronk had two targets last week, but cashed one in for a score. He's startable, but there's about 15 guys I like better. Rojo's on the COVID list. Fournette looks like he's going to be the lead dog this week, even though he was a healthy scratch last week. Uh, Atlanta hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher all year. Mm. They did just allow Austin Eckler to record nine catches last week, something we haven't seen nine, against the Falcons. Nine, nine times. In many moons. Many moons. I, I, I can't believe I missed a nine times there. Geez, what am I doing? I was on it. Slipping in my old age. Let's go to uh, another guy who's in his old age. That's Julio Jones, who's been ruled out of this one. And another guy who's. Gaining an age. Calvin Ridley. It's a birthday game for Calvin Ridley wow, this weekend. Wow, all right. He is gaining, literally gaining an age yeah. this weekend. Sunday is his birthday. He gets the birthday A. That's not the aardvark A's? No. No, okay. All right, it would be, sure. it, I, I can't give a Fonzie away, but you know. No. Um, when Jones is dinged up or doesn't play... Ridley gets a hundred yards or scores. It's as simple as that. It's happened four times this year. Never the same. Four. Never together. It's always one or the other. Uh, he's had a hundred in three of them, and he scored in the other one. So okay. four, four, he's four of four. All right. Uh, Tampa held the Vikings' receivers in check last week, but we're only a game removed from Tyreek Hill almost hitting three hundred yards. And both Rams wide receivers topped a hundred yards three games ago. Finally, uh, from the from the passing game. Matt Ryan's getting a C grade here. Ryan's hit the 300-yard mark only three times this year and zero times in his last six. But he's startable because Goff and Mahomes each roasted this defense in the last three games, both going over 375 yards with multiple scores. And you don't have a Falcons running back on your roster if you're you're still still in the playoffs.
3: No, They are on the bench. Jets take on the Rams, Scott, and for the Jets, I don't think there's anybody that we're talking about here against a maybe the best
6: defense in the NFL. No, we're not, but i got to say, you, you, you're throwing major shade at Russell Gage, man. I love <laughs> Russell Gage. I love Russell Gage, and with Zacchaeus on IR and uh, Julio Jones out, he's going to get some work. We went back to the Falcons matchup? How did yeah, that happen? Yeah, did I'm that... giving a C grade to Russell Gage. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, New York Jets. I am starting no one. The Rams are the top team against quarterbacks, fifth best against running backs, the best against wide receivers. They're middle of the pack against tight ends, but do you want to start Chris no, Horton? Oh,
5: God, no. So I'm giving a B grade to Sam Darnold.
6: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would rather start Russell Gage over Sam Darnold. <laughs> All right. Jared Goff over on the Rams side. The Jets are second worst against quarterbacks. I already mentioned him as my take a chance on me player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I obviously like him. I like his uh, wide receivers in this one cup third most receptions and fifth most yards allowed to wide receivers the Jets are Seattle just had three different receivers score on this team yeah all had low yardage but given guys like Beasley and Keenan Allen even uh, Myers Parker Hopkins Patrick a bunch of players have just crushed the Jets and several slot guys I have a B on cup and I have a B on woods I would expect similar to the Bucks game, where the top two guys both went over a hundred.
3: That's that's what I, I'm expecting. I, I think a, Woods is an A grade to my mind. I think I don't I don't, I don't think great. you're
6: wrong. These are like this is like the B plus A minus range. I okay. think is what it is. So I, I'm fine with your A. I'll let right, you convince you. me All into right, an A there. Uh, Tyler Higby, I'm giving a C grade to the Jets are terrible against tight ends. Uh, it's tough to start a guy like Higby, but the Jets have allowed the third most touchdowns to tight ends, third most yards. Cam Akers, it's finally time, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving him an A grade. Light, two baby. straight with 22-plus touches, 50-plus uh, snaps last week. Uh, only two backs have 20-plus touches against these Jets, but they both went over 115 yards, one at 166 yards. Jets run defense is pretty good, though. They're yeah.
3: way easier to beat through the air. The path of least resistance is through the air. I still think but, he
6: gets 20-plus touches in you know, a game they're running out the clock on. You know,
3: very that, I, that, that scenario is very likely. When we come back, plenty more to get to, including three tough questions. Play along. See if you can go 3-0 and 0 on Fantasy Football Weekly.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in texas it's and not or see what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in america
2: enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. sign up using code champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet
3: Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian. My co-hosts are Matt Harrison and Scott Fish. You can follow us on Twitter, at Paul Charchian. You'll have to figure out how to spell it. At Scott Fish 24. At scottfish 24. You act like I didn't know that. <laughs> <At Scottfish24. laughs> now I'm going to do mine.
5: At Explosive Output. Very nicely said. Lamar Jackson's burner account. Yes. <laughs> it's me, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> it a
3: me. It, yeah, it's no, I'm not Mario. I'm Mario, right. <laughs> it's a me, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the Italian Lamar. Lamar Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> Luigi Jackson, Lamar <laughs> D Jackson, know, whatever. <laughs> three tough questions. This is where you try to play along. I'll pepper my co-hosts with three tough questions. See if you uh, come to the same conclusions that they do. Tough question. Number right. one, what's the single best way to handle ties in a playoff game? Scott.
6: I think it's just highest seed advantage uh, advances. I I usually like to in my personal leagues push both teams through to the next round and then have a three way and have the top winner go. But when you have to break ties, if you're at least if you're going to the hundredth decimal point, it's going to be super rare. And I give a little credence to. To you know what they had done in the regular season, how they got there—that's that's just a small home field. It's your advantage. home field.
3: Your home field. Yeah, I,
6: I know that there's the you know pick a pick a starter, you know, starting running back or wide receiver. Pick a non starter running back. There are lots of ways. I just think high seed give them that home field advantage.
3: Okay, Matt, what is the best way to handle ties in a playoff game? I'm going to get this right because <laughs> you've done this for years with me. Um, What Scott said.
4: That's my answer. (laughs) Okay,
3: fine. Um, (laughs) Here's the most important thing, commissioners, and you can do this right now have a rule established. Yes. Have anything in place. Anything is good. So if you do not have a playoff tiebreaker written down, etched Mm. in stone, find something, anything. That you can that you can get yes. into play a so, coin
5: flip yes I mean, that's even a even that bad it's answer. a bad one but if bad it's one answer. of those fantasy football
3: weekly coins well, then it's a much be, that, better answer
5: that would be have your
6: fastest <laughs> child run a forty yard dash and videotape it
3: uh, here's what it can't be about head to head in the regular season that is not your tiebreaker here uh, because a it has nothing to do with what happened this current so week lumpy. and b it could be that when these teams played head to head one team was at full strength the other team had three guys yeah. on bye or yeah. whatever so don't use that. It also can't be about backups. I Agreed. hear this all the time. I, agree. I hate the well. We go to our backups. You know, you're watering down one of the key elements of skill for fantasy managers, which is deciding bench start players. I want, I want the outcome to be decided by starters. Well, and to that point, you could just fill your bench with quarterbacks. Yes, which I've done mm-hmm. in, in the past when I've had these. When I've been in leagues that have that, mm-hmm. I'll just drop everybody I've got pick up nothing but quarterbacks and even if they're bad quarterbacks, I'll get a bunch of points from them. I love mm-hmm. that
6: you played for the tie and
3: <laughs> Well, it's a free point. It's a free yeah, it. point. I get it. Yep. Yep. So, why not, right? Um I use total yards among starters. Total yards and total, total touchdowns. Total total yards are among starters are never going there's never going to be a tie that way. Right. Total yards among starters.
5: Tough question number 2.
3: In the playoffs particularly, Should fantasy managers take their opponent's roster into consideration when setting their own lineup? Matt. Oh, I was going to say what Scott said.
6: (laughs) What Scott is about to say. (laughs) What Scott is about
3: to say. Uh, I hope
5: he's about to say uh, there is some gamesmanship to him to this. Uh, If you know your opponent, for instance, has a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and you play Kyler Murray. That mitigates a little bit of what Hopkins can do on the high end, but I only really consider it in that kind of scenario where I'm playing against a stud wide receiver and I have his quarterback in a good matchup as well. So if that wide receiver goes off, in all likelihood, so does my quarterback, and I erase his big
3: moment in the sun. Scott, in the playoffs in particular, should fantasy managers take their opponent's roster into consideration when setting their own lineup?
6: nah I don't. I barely even oh, look that's at my not what Scott said <laughs> opponents opponents <laughs> line up. Uh, i I think the only only position I would is a t- is a tie break. Like if I have two players that are similar and I think that there's an advantage to glean versus my opponents uh, lineup uh, for that, maybe but nah, I don't really care about my I'm trying to get as many points as I can, and I'm starting the players that I think are gonna score the most points.
3: yes. You should Mm. take your opponent's roster in consideration because you need to know, am I a favorite or am I an underdog? Especially if I'm a big favorite or a big underdog, because that's what sets the risk profile of your roster. Sure. As an underdog, you need to play more high-risk, high-reward players. I'm, I'm more willing to couple, for example, as one example, I'm more willing to couple wide receivers and quarterbacks together if I need to have, if I'm an underdog, I need to have something big hit for me to succeed or high uh, or other players that are touchdown dependent that now I'm a lot more interested. Cam Newton, who I hate. In most regards, this is a scenario. If I'm an underdog and I need him to run two touchdowns in, this is a scenario where I'm starting Cam Newton. It's all about the risk profile. You need to know if you're a favorite or an underdog. If it's relatively even, now I'm where Scott was standing a minute ago. Now I'm just playing for the most points. Mm -hmm. But if I'm a favorite or an underdog, I do change it. What if I'm a favorite? Well, now I can manage situations like... What you just described if one of if my opponent has got a great wide receiver and I'm the favorite, I absolutely want to be able to start that quarterback Mm -hmm. if I can, because I do want to mitigate points then. However, if I'm a big underdog and Matt's got a great receiver, I have to go to a different direction and hope that receiver does not. So the correct answer is yes.
5: Tough question. Number
2: three,
3: James Robinson is going to finish the season as a top 10 back for sure and maybe a top five back. Next year, will you draft James Robinson in rounds one or two, three or four,
6: or later than round four? Scott. Probably still in the three to four range. Uh much much like Fournette last year, but uh I think James Robinson has less injury risk and he's younger, he's not gonna be off the team. So uh, but probably on the higher end of that three to four range. Uh this year there's there's just been so many injuries up top, I don't want to risk it as much. But more than that, He might have a different quarterback. He might have a different coaching staff. Um, I can see it going up if he gets a guy like Joe Brady or Biennemi or something and gets a better quarterback that can run that offense better. Um, But for right now, where we're sitting right now, I think I have him in the three to four range.
3: All right. Matt, are you going to take James Robinson next year in rounds one or two? Three or four, or later than round four?
5: Well, the answer is Scott's not going to get him because you're not going to get James Robinson in rounds three or four. I asked where you're going to I know. It. I'm getting there. Charge. geez, get your pants then back I, on. I, I, for
6: Scott I, also didn't get, I also didn't get Fournette last year That's because I, I was. I would have drafted him in the fourth or uh, fifth.
5: I was able to obtain a couple of mocks and some ADPs already. Way too early ADPs for next year. way too early, yes. Year. Um... Right now, he's going anywhere between 10... And 15 Mm -hmm. in mocks right now. So that puts him in that weird end of round one, beginning of round two turn where people often take two running backs and it often fails miserably. So at the end of that round, you're going to be choosing between Robinson and guys like Travis Kelsey, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Patrick Mahomes, if you're into that, and more established runners like Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, or Zeke. So those are the guys that you're going to be choosing. Where with James Robinson. Okay, so
3: your that's
5: he's, what ADP is. What are you doing? He, you're going to have to take him between
6: no, round you, one and two. So I guess I'm not getting him, but that's so risky. Like he has nobody behind him. What if they draft a good running back to share with him? What if the offense is different with the new I, coach?
3: Can I, can I go? Nope. All right, thanks. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> All right, Matt Scott, close your eyes, oh, oh, listeners. No. Close your eyes. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. Keep them open. I want you to picture highlight moments from James Robinson.
6: I got a couple, but I would guess what most you people got? don't. I, I don't think nothing. I've seen
3: a Jaguars I, I, game. I, year.
6: <laughs> he he has hurtled people at least twice. One yeah. a twenty-yard reception on like his first game, he hurtled someone. Here's
3: why I'm skeptical: Is he a good runner? Is James Robinson a good runner? Yeah, <laughs> he's good. He's a good. He's a good runner. He's a good. I, I don't see enough athleticism from him to suggest he's going to make a year two leap and he's not going to get 97% of the workload next year. There's no chance he's going to do that. The Jaguars simply couldn't find other ways to score or move the ball this year. Almost by default, it has to get better next season. It just feels like he caught lighting in a bottle this year. I'm not, I'm just not buying it because I don't think he's a special back. And I, at the end of the first round, I want special backs. Yeah. I mean, to me, his ADP right now, this early ADP is absurd. I want special players at that stage. For me, he hits. He fits the profile for the kind of guys I totally avoid when yes, I'm doing the absolutely. opposite. <laughs> These are the exact guys I don't take. And if they somehow linger into round five, now we're talking. Yeah. Now that that's where I want my James Robinsons. I think to Scott, to the point you were starting to make. There's going to be other players there, absolutely, that are going to start eating into his uh, into his workload next year. I am round four or later on James Robinson. Let's get back to our matchups, including Houston taking on the Indianapolis Colts. We begin with David Johnson, who faces an elite run defense, and this is a very dicey start for him. Just a C grade. Non-Derek Henry running backs haven't gone over 88 rushing yards this season against Indy. Not only that. They haven't gone over 100 yards in Indianapolis' last 58 games. There's a lot of non Derrick Henry runners out there, too. <laughs> there are a lot of non-Derek... I am a non-Derek Henry runner. Ooh. Yes. Uh, Johnson is a uber low-ceiling, plotting runner who gets bailed out with a touchdown every now and again. He did against India a couple of weeks ago, which saved him from an otherwise horrible game. And that's the only reason you would start Johnson, is the hope for a touchdown here. Let's go to the passing game where Deshaun Watson is a B-grade. He played well against Indianapolis two weeks ago. He rolled up 341 scoreless yards. Colts' secondary may be missing its best cornerback, Xavier Rhodes, who left last week's game, and they've struggled lately, allowing over 300 passing yards in three of the past four. Colts have allowed quarterback rushing touchdowns in three straight games and four of the past five games. So I think you add in the rushing opportunities here, and I think Deshaun Watson's actually a, a safe play. Still don't love the receiver set. Still don't know for sure that Brandon Cooks is going to go, but we think he's going to play. I've got Cooks and Kiki Cutie with B grades. Cooks logged just 65 scoreless yards against this team two weeks ago when they met, and receivers just don't score against the Colts secondary. They've surrendered only 11 touchdowns to wideouts all year. That is fourth fewest. The good news is, though, they've allowed a 98-yard receiver in four straight games, so maybe that'll be him. Uh, Cutie mostly runs from the slot where he's got a daunting matchup with Kenny Moore, who is the current defensive player of the week. On that part of it is just awesome interception that Kenny Moore had last week. That mm-hmm. thing was bonkers. Uh so just a C grade on Kiki QT. Then Chad Hansen, who I did players I did not expect to be talking about at any point in this season. This is what happens in week fifteen. A crazy story. He was out of football for three years. Comes back, he had nine NFL catches, and then he gets forced into action two weeks ago. He posts back-to-back solid games, but I think Brandon Cooks comes back, and that's the end of it for Chad Hansen. Let's go to the Indianapolis side. Beginning with Phillip Rivers, surging of late. He played these same Texans two games ago, put up a very good game, 285 yards and two scores, and sandwiched between the two Texans games. Houston got lit up by sad Trombonski for three touchdowns. Without suspended cornerback Bradley Roby, you can bank on a bad game from the Texas Texans secondary. Meanwhile, Rivers enters the game red hot, as I mentioned, multiple touchdowns in four straight and over 285 passing yards in four of the past five games. Phillip Rivers, a B grade, A grade to one of his receivers, T.Y. Hilton who has spoiled us with 92 yards per game over the last three games, a complete 180-degree change from his horrible first nine games. He has now crossed the stripe four times in those last three games, which is more than he had had in his previous 18 games combined. Houston surrendered 100-yard scoring efforts to a receiver in back-to-back games, including Hilton, and I feel like this is a a great opportunity. He's going to line up primarily against cornerback Keon Croson, a career backup. Also among receivers, Michael Pittman with a C grade. I don't love his low volume, but this matchup is tantalizing. He has a healthy five catches in this game two weeks ago. And in recent weeks, Houston has yielded good fantasy games to second tier receivers like Darnell Mooney and Mohamed Sanu and Demir Bird. If those guys can do it, Michael Pittman's in play here as well. Houston's allowed the second most touchdowns to wide receivers. I like Pittman with a coin flips chance for a touchdown here. All of the tight ends cannibalize each other. They're all on the bench. Let's talk about Jonathan Taylor, who has finally turned into the Bell Cow back we wanted him to be, averaging nineteen carries over his past three games. He rocked the Texans for a buck thirty five two weeks ago. Texans allow the most fantasy points to running backs, and Taylor is an A grade. Nice. I feel awfully good about his prospects. It How do you feel about January. Naeem Hines? Naim Hines. Wait, is this <laughs> Naim Hines? Times. Nine times. I've got a bench grade on him, but he does have he does get the ball enough, and in a PPR format, he does catch enough that I think he is serviceable in this game. He's a kind of a extra take a chance on me guy, in yeah, my opinion, with I that with matchup. That. I, you know what? You're right. Let's give him a solid C grade in this one. Um, when we come back, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals what to do about Jalen Hurts. Are we chasing last week's rushing production? Find out when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM.
3: Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchi and Scott Fish and Matt Harrison with you. Matt, what can people find at shockfantasy.com? Oh,
5: lots of stuff. We're doing the podcast still, doing a lot of mailbag stuff to help set some lineups. And mm-hmm. also, we got the uh, the new trade value chart out. And we're going to have uh, the Super Bowl prop bet game. Oh, good. It's going That's to be exclusive fun. to Shock Fantasy
3: this year. So, uh, we'll be selling that there. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles are selling hope that they've turned around their franchise with a new quarterback, Jalen Hurts. 18 carries last week, over 100 rushing yards. Now he goes up against Arizona. I think I've gotten more questions about Jalen Hurts than any other player this week.
5: Yeah, 106 rushing yards last week, but only 167 in the passing game. He only dropped back to pass 30 times in that game, and the Eagles ran the ball 36 times. That doesn't bode well for a quarterback normally. Um, So I'm only giving him a C grade here. Uh, I'm not looking heavily into the passing option. I think that's just gravy. So, what about the running? The Cardinals, his opponent, had a stretch of five games in a row where they allowed 35 or more rushing yards to every quarterback they faced, mm-hmm. and that stretch just ended two weeks ago. So, he's going to get about 60 yards on the ground, I'd say, maybe 200 yards through the air for Lucky. But the eight ball won't tell me any more. So, he's only a C grade. Miles Sanders, I'm giving a B. Uh, the ball, the eight ball will tell me that the cards have allowed six rushing touchdowns in the last four weeks. How and does that fit on
3: the little the little eight ball thing? I mean, that's, that's a lot of data to fit on that little triangle. That I got a custom eight magic ball. eight ball. It's extremely really big. large yes. eight ball. You've got extremely Thank you. maybe large, it's a eight large eight balls. Eight ball.
5: Yes. Um, Miles Sanders benefited greatly from having a mobile quarterback with 18 touches, 136 yards, and two scores last week. He was back. The only other Eagles that I think that you can consider starting are Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, who I'm both giving really low-level C grades to. Hertz is generating very low depth of target on his throws, which brings into play the tight ends. I think Goddard is a little bit better in this matchup. He's seen eight targets from Hertz in his game and a half, as opposed to Ertz, who's only seen five. The Eagles ran two tight end sets copiously last week against the Saints, meaning both of them will be on the field well, for about
3: to. 80% or more of the snaps. You know, and that this brings up, sorry to interject, yeah. this brings up they're missing their two best offensive linemen. Sure. You know, Lane Johnson and Jason Peters are and, out. And, and that's I, the problem. I, I think that I'm, they're going to be stuck in blocking
5: a I, lot of the time, too. So uh, either way, the Cards have been very solid against tight ends this year uh, as opposed to last year. They only allowed three touchdowns on the season, and no tight end has topped 53 yards all year. On the other side, Kyler Murray, I'm giving him an A grade. Do you know which team has allowed the most quarterback rushing yards this season? Well, it might be the Philadelphia Eagles. And it sure is. After three weeks of struggling through an injury and exactly five carries in each game, Kyler seemed spry and with it and ready last week, had 13 carries again. I like his chances of outdueling Hertz in the run game, and his pass game is better and more refined than Hertz's. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins getting an A grade, two. The Eagles have just been torched by big number 1 wide receivers. Mm-hmm. DK and Devontae each had huge days in just the last three weeks. Christian Kirk was your take a chance on me wide receiver charge. I'm even going to throw a little love at Brian's boy, Dan Arnold. I know. How about this? Mm. He's become fantasy relevant. If you need a home run hitter of a tight end yeah. and you're banking only on touchdowns for this, Dan Arnold has scored four times in his last four games, and Philly has allowed eight tight end touchdowns on the year. So you're going to need Arnold to get two. Mm. But if you need a home run, Dan Arnold, C-grade. Finally, Kenyon Drake, he gets a B. Drake has control of the backfield again, even more since Chase Edmonds dinged up his ankle last week and might not go this week. The Eagles have been a bottom 10 run defense over the last month, so the matchup is kind of ripe here for Kenyon Drake and his 20 touches
3: jacksonville takes on baltimore we begin with james robinson who has proven himself to be matchup proof the last four fantasy relevant backs the ravens have faced have averaged five yards per carry there we go robinson's averaged nearly five grabs per game in Minshew's last five starts he's going to chip in some air production as well i don't see an explosive game coming but a good game for james robinson with a b grade every other jaguar is on the bench The entire passing game, Baltimore isn't impenetrable against the pass, but third-tier passers almost always struggle against them, and the receivers in particular are dead here. Baltimore has allowed the second-fewest touchdowns to wideouts. DJ Chark's got a bad matchup with Jimmy Smith. The Ravens get dinged by tight ends a little, but nobody's playing Tyler Eifert in the semifinals. (laughs) Let's go over to the Baltimore side, where things are a lot more interesting, Um, and One of the really big storylines to watch, Lamar Jackson may be without both starting wide receivers because they're on the COVID list. Offsetting that, the Jaguars will be down all three starting cornerbacks and possibly two depth corners as well. They might be missing five cornerbacks in this game. This is probably the NFL's worst secondary, the Jaguars. Now, opposite that, the Ravens throw the fewest passes for the second fewest yards. So, this thing could go a lot of different
5: directions through the air. The only thing that can take Lamar Jackson down in this game is Metamucil.
3: (laughs) It very well could. Jackson usually provides very little through the air, as you already know. Um, Still, there's an opportunity here for him to to do some real damage. And wouldn't that be handy if he had both the rare this year explosive game on the ground and through the air and in his pants? Wow. Wow. Sorry, Lamar, I apologize. Mostly (laughs) you're in it for Jackson's running. He's top 50 rushing yards in six straight games, which gives him a safe floor and a massive upside. If Marquise Brown's able to go, then he's a B grade here. He finds himself in the midst of an improbable three-game scoring streak, which he never does. And this matchup's about as positive one as he'll see all year long for the reasons I already discussed. And, um, And if Brown and Boykin are both out, You could even dart throw to Devin DuVernay or Dez Bryant in this matchup. It's that positive. Both of those guys. And in daily formats, they're kind of compelling if Boykin and Brown are out. Let's talk about the running backs. No, oh wait, one more receiver to get to, Mark Andrews, the tight end. A grade for Mark Andrews. Jaguars are allowing the most yards per reception to tight ends, which is great news for Andrews, who came to life with chunk plays last week. Jacksonville also allowing 10 touchdowns to tight ends. That's second most. Now, Anders hasn't been the scoring machine he was last season, but he still sees 26% of his team's targets in the red zone. That's the ninth highest clip among all players in the league. So tight end potential is there for Mark Anders. A grade for him. Now let's get to the running backs. And J.K. Dobbins, who has now seen double-digit carries and five of the last six games, and I think that he will continue to get a lot of work, especially with the Ravens likely getting out to a big lead here, and if the Ravens wideouts miss this game, all the more work for J.K. Dobbins. He has scored in three straight games. He faces a bad Jacksonville defense that's allowed the fourth most fantasy points and second most touchdowns to running backs. Now, where it gets a little bit sticky is Lamar Jackson runs in a bunch of touchdowns, and Gus Edwards gets the red zone carries. So, D- but still has some downside in an otherwise favorable matchup. Let's talk about mm. Gus Edwards. You don't think so?
6: Gus got two red zone carries and scored on both. Uh, J.K. has seven in the last two weeks. That's I not mean, bad. So J.K. does get it, too.
3: I like Gus Edwards here for the red zone carries and the fact that he's a finisher in the end zone. Jaguars allow the seventh most rushing touchdowns and touchdowns in four straight games to running backs. In tight en- in touchdown heavy leagues, he is a viable dart throw with a C- grade sure. in that game um, let's work in one more matchup Kansas City taking on the New Orleans Saints Scott for Kansas City this is one of the toughest matchups and maybe the toughest matchup of their season you can't bench any of the studs no but
6: Mahomes Kelsey Hill you're not benching
3: but they all have mortal play potentially in them this week
6: yeah, Mahomes like when Mahomes throws for 302, we don't even bat an eye. That's right. his mortal play at this point. I I I still have A grades on all of them. I, it's 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 the rest of the staff that I I think is uh really tough for really t- going to be a really tough matchup. Watkins and Hardman, both of them on the bench. There's been room for a third receiver and mm-hmm. of course Hill and Kelsey the first two to have a good game against the Saints. That happened in the Saints in the Bears game, the Panthers game, the Falcons game. What what do those teams have in common? No tight ends. Mm-hmm. They don't really have tight ends doing anything. All right. So this one has Kelsey at tight end. So the third receiver is not I don't have anything for the third receiver in no. this one. Nothing for Watkins or Hardman. On to the running game. Clyde Edwards E. Lair. Le'Veon Bell tweeted he was confused this week. I'm not sure if that was because Clyde had 21 touches or if he had finally listened to his own rap album and just wasn't (laughs) wasn't sure what was going on there or what he was thinking when he made that thing. Uh, the Saints D has actually held uh, down some uh, held down Sanders last week uh, a lot better than his stat line shows due to that 82 yard touchdown the rest of his carries went 13 for 33. I hate doing that. I hate mm. doing that. But. I do that because CEH isn't the kind of back to break those 80-yard runs. No. He's not the type of back to have those. Yeah, and, and several running backs recently have been that way against the Saints. No running back has topped 50 rushing yards against them since week eight. Wow. Yeah, and that's that's where CEH gets it. Only one back had more than 30 receiving yards. Mm. I give. I want to give him a B, but I think I'm only going to give him a C. I think he'll get the 15 plus touches, but the the low yardage from all the running backs recently, except for Sanders, and mostly due to that big run. I'm giving I'm giving Clyde a C. I, I think it's a strong C, but I'm giving him a C. Okay. On the other side, Drew Brees is back, but Michael Thomas is out. KC has allowed multiple touchdowns in five straight. Breeze had multiple touchdowns in all but one of his full games. Uh, and in that one, he had 312 and a score. This is before the injury, though. He's going to be playing maybe with some soreness, maybe with uh, maybe with a vest on those ribs. They say he's fully healthy.
3: Yeah. Now many of those games are also without well, practically all of them without Michael Thomas as well. They played so three he, together. Yeah, he's you know so he's fully acclimated to game plans without Michael yeah. Thomas. They should
6: just put Taysom Hill in at wide receiver now, and well, they might. <laughs> oh, they
3: might probably I mean, will. You know, there, there's the opportunity to do that. I think you have to build in with Drew Brees the threat that he gets knocked out of this game. Now he's going to be he's going to be loaded with painkiller, right? Man. but yeah. this is a very good Chiefs defensive line. And, you know, it's one thing to be able to practice pain-free. It's another one to have, you know, a gigantic 300-pound lineman spear you in the ribs. You know, there are only a few places you can hit a quarterback. The ribs is one of them. This is, I think you have to build in the prospect that Drew Brees ends up not finishing the game
6: yeah that's uh I guess so i I don't I don't think he's gonna leave the game but uh, i I guess you can maybe should I drop him from a B to a C is that what you're saying just based on the
3: <laughs> I, see I would okay yeah all right all right sounds it's, good. It's your call but that's what I would do.
6: I gave Smith and Sanders both C grades in the last three games without Michael Thomas, uh, Emmanuel Sanders had 50-plus yards and or a touchdown, mm. which is C-level. Yeah. And Traquan Smith was starting to break out with Drew Brees before he went down. He had a couple 80-yard games, a couple score games, and Drew Brees had talked about this is going to be a breakout season, for. and then he got hurt.
5: You're yeah. so nautical today, Scott. You just said C-level. This yeah. is great. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Jared Cook was my take-a-chance-on-me player. I think uh, tight ends have been crushing them for four weeks. Here's where I love it. I love his Alvin name, Kamara. This his name week. is Fish. You know that. It yeah, it's true. Yes. Yes. Very aquatic over here. You have gills. I actually don't have gills. Why didn't you name one of your
3: kids gill? Nobody
6: names their kids Gil anymore. <laughs>
5: that's right.
3: It was a thing in the like 60s, I think. Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. The old guy Gilbert is not. A, that's not a winner. It's not popular. No.
6: Alvin Kamara came back into the receiving game last week with seven receptions. Uh, it was something he was missing when Taysom Hill was out. He gets when Drew Brees is in, and with Michael Thomas out, he's only going to see more work. I have an A grade on Alvin Kamara. Uh, Murray went back to the bench. That's it yeah
3: yeah that's it i think you're right about that yeah he's Uh, getting it yeah when we come back final set of matchups including the cleveland browns and the new york giants we already talked a little bit earlier about some elements of the passing game for the browns but trick the giants improved defense make for a tricky matchup even for guys like nick chubb and kareem hunt we'll tell you what kind of grades they get when we come back to fantasy football weekly Fantasy Football Weekly, Paul Charchi and Scott Fish, and Matt Harrison with you. Thank you for joining us. If you are listening over the air, you should know that Fantasy Football Weekly is also a podcast. So if you've missed any part of this show, it's a two-hour long show, then we encourage you to go to the podcast, Fantasy Football Weekly. It's available on the iHeart podcasting platform and really, all, really every podcasting platform. Whatever your favorite is, you're going to be able to find Fantasy Football Weekly. We encourage you to tune in. Matt, the Cleveland Browns take on the New York Giants. You've already talked a bit about the passing game mm-hmm. earlier in the show in our take a chance on me segment. I know there's some guys who like here. Let's talk, let's start with the runners because I think this is a a more interesting matchup. Nick Chubb is obviously awesome. And I know you're going to start him, mm-hmm. but this is not a trivial matchup.
5: Yeah, I'm still giving Chubb an A grade in this one. The Giants have given up good but not great fantasy days to every team they've faced in the last five weeks, except for the Bengals, who don't actually have a running back right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, since returning from injury, Chubb has had either 100 yards or a touchdown in every game, and he scored in four of those five. So I think Chubb is an obvious A. He's fresh and healthy right now. Uh, Really like him. Kareem Hunt, I'm even given a B to in this one. Hunt's touch totals concern me a little bit, but he did score twice last week on only 12 touches. That's not enough touches for me to feel really comfortable going more than a B. But the good thing is the Giants are bottom four in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns allowed to the running back Mm. position. That plays into Kareem Hunt's favor. Yes, Baker Mayfield was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback, and Rashard Higgins was my take-a-chance-on-me wide receiver. Jarvis Landry I'm going to give a B-grade to as well. Uh, This was the Landry we expected at the beginning of the year, the Landry we've seen in the last three weeks, Yeah, uh, averaging 10 targets per game, averaging seven receptions per game over the last three. The Giants have given up a handful of really good games to slot receivers this season, and Landry really is Baker's guy right now. Let's go to the Giants side where it's very notable that among the COVID-19 cancellations for the Giants this week, Mm -hmm. Jason Garrett tested positive for COVID. Yes, so he won't be calling pay- plays for uh, the Giants this week, but do you know who will? Yes, I do. Last year's head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Freddie Kitchens. How about that? It's a revenge game for Freddie Kitchens, so it's time to fire up all those Giants, right? Uh, uh, well, revenge, I mean, revenge game for Colt McCoy as yes, well. Yes, former Brown, Colt McCoy, who yes. may get the start in this one, or injured Daniel Jones, who's uh, nursing an ankle and a hamstring injury and has been limited in practice. All week mm. Jones was just hobbling and kind of warm garbage last week against the Cards and the Giants uh, got blown out of that game and they lost their NFC East lead the Browns have been pretty good against quarterbacks. And they did get top corner Denzel Ward back this week, so you're not going to start a Giants quarterback in your fantasy semifinals. The two guys that you might be interested in starting on the Giants, number one is Evan Engram, who I'm giving a B grade to. Engram actually had his best game of the season with Colt McCoy under center, Mm -hmm. so we're kind of cheering for Colt McCoy to get this nod here. The Browns are bottom six in receptions, yards, and touchdowns allowed to the tight end position, so Evan Engram's kind of a sneaky play here. And then Wayne Gallman, I'm giving him a C grade in this one. He's averaging about 18 touches per game since solidifying the job. But Cleveland's been good against the run until they faced the Ravens last week, uh, allowing five running back touchdowns over the last three weeks. That's not good, but they only allowed seven in the prior 10 games, so I'm only going to give Wayne Gallman a C, but he's probably their best chance at keeping it close. Yes.
3: Uh, I do worry a little bit. Giants might fall behind by a lot, and, early. and they might and have might to abandon a, ship on right. the running game altogether. I worry about that a bit. That's it. All right, let's go to our final matchup: Steelers taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. We begin with the moribund running game of the Steelers. That's James so James Connor likely doesn't play with his quad injury, and even if he does, he's been brutal. Get this: over the last three weeks, the Steelers are averaging forty five rushing yards per game <laughs> as a team. What?
6: You know how hard it is to do that for I, three weeks? I think one of those games, that he had, they had under 25. It's it unbelievable. Bad. Roethlisberger should start chipping in, huh? Well, he
3: might <laughs> He might have to. Steelers on the season ranked 31st in rushing yards per game. It's been a disaster here. Benny Snell, horrible. Anthony McFarland has been equally bad, and he gets less use. There's no plays here among the Steelers runners, and they are all on the bench. Let's go to the passing game where Ben Roethlisberger gets a B grade. But let's talk about his game a bit because it's it's changed a lot. He has turned into a dink and dunk passer. Only Alex Smith throws shorter passes than Ben Roethlisberger at 3.8 yards per completion.
6: Jeez. 3.8
3: yards is like me to
6: Matt right now. Juju's <laughs> about to have a 100-catch, 900-yard season. And, and yet somehow
3: his receivers have dropped 27 passes. That's How do you do that from 3.8 yards away? Can you fall forward for 3.8 yards? Oh, yes, you can, okay. as a matter of fact, Manupal. Now, Roethlisberger eviscerated the Bengals for 333 yards and four touchdowns in the Week 10 meeting. That wasn't that long ago. The Bengals' pass defense looks improved since then, but they've faced Daniel Jones, Tua tunga Alex Smith, and Andy Dalton. Those are not great passers, and I'm not convinced the Cincinnati secondary is really any better than the version Ben took apart five games ago. So again, a B grade on Ben. Let's talk about his receivers. Chase Claypool's yardage has declined in each of four games, and he has currently is currently in the middle of a three game scoreless streak where he was really mm. very helpful. Was the touchdowns earlier. Yeah. Fortunately, outside cornerback LaShawn Sims offers Claypool a get-right matchup as he's allowing scores, has allowed scores in back-to-back games and yields a massive 80% catch rate in his coverage nice and a passer rating of 138. That's approaching perfection. Let's go Claypool. (laughs) I love Chase Claypool in this matchup. Not A-grade, but I like him in a B-grade. I also have a B-grade on Juju Smith-Schuster, particularly in PPR leagues. Juju has garnered nine targets per game. Nine times. Nine times. In his last five, while notching three scores in that span, he put together a nine catch. 77-yard, nine one touchdown times. game against Cincinnati four weeks ago and should fare well against Mackenzie Alexander in the slot. He's giving up a 75% catch rate in his coverage. Here's the trickiest stealer by a mile. What are you doing about Deontay Johnson? That's very tricky. Bench, you may recall... Last week, one of our three tough questions was, can you trust Deontay Johnson knowing he could get benched if he drops a pass? What happened last week? He got benched after he dropped a pass. Correct. But he did come back in. He did come back in later in the game. Now, I can't promise you that Johnson starts this game over James Washington or that he finishes this game over James Washington. Washington has tallied seven drops Sorry, Johnson has tallied seven drops in his last three games. He's averaging just 52 yards per game over those last three games. That compares—that's half of the 101 yards he was averaging the three games prior to Drop Fest 2020. He smoked Cincinnati for 116 yards and a score in Week 10. I think he is as as big a high risk, high reward player, absolutely as. Anybody in this week, outside of maybe Russell Wilson, who I think is a super high-risk, high-reward player as well, would you guys start Deontay Johnson in a typically-sized league in a semifinal game?
6: Yep. I I still (laughs) think I would. I still think I would. You
5: just like him that much? Yeah. Yeah. I think it really depends on who else I got yeah, on my team, it's, but it's,
6: you know, it's close. Like, like I mean, it's is not my a, other so option guy. like a Russell Gage type guy? Cause, oh, wow.
3: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, no. What if it's not a Russell Gage type guy? And sometimes it's not a Russell Gage type guy.
6: Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I just, I'm, I'm believing that I probably don't have a better option than Deontay Johnson. Let's and talk, his upside is high.
3: Let's talk Eric Ebron for just a minute. He only managed 38 scoreless yards when these teams met. Again, I keep referencing the previous game, Week 10. But the Bengals are horrible against tight ends. They've allowed the sixth-most receptions, the most yards, and the eighth-most touchdowns to the position. Eric Ebron clocks in with a B grade. I like him this week, uh, and I consider him to be startable. And, you know, if you don't trust Deontay Johnson and you're Ben looking around and all those, all those extra passes have to go somewhere, Potential uptick for Ebron is pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh Marcus Mariota looks like he's gonna be a starter for a while. Maybe the rest of the season, mm-hmm. potentially.
5: Probably for the rest of the season. All
3: right. I wanna let's talk it. Let's talk this through for a minute. And by the way, I thought he looked really, really good. <laughs> I, did I was very impressed with the with the version of him that I saw. <laughs> um would you pick him up in a redraft league? Would you pick him up, Scott, in a dynasty or empire format where you're already thinking about next year?
6: It's got to be Superflex if I am, mm-hmm. because he's he's the type of guy that is going to hit the market after this year. Well, and he's under contract next oh, season. Oh, I was going to say, for, by the
3: way, an astounding ten million dollars next year.
6: Really? That's not bad. Yes. Oh, man, for some reason I thought for I was a backup that. quarterback. So, oh, you know. yeah. So then, then he's not the kind of guy that sets a market and gets a, gets a starting no. job. So. Uh, I yeah I don't, I don't I don't know that I well you should you should just base super flex. everything it's just super flex then
5: on he gets a matchup with Tua next week and it could be a matchup of running quarterbacks all over the well, field and Hawaiian, so, Hawaiian quarterbacks. Hawaiian quarter
6: the, yeah. Hawaiian, <laughs> the <laughs> rare the hula <Hawaii>. <laughs> bowl wow yeah. it is the hula bowl you got Oregon versus Oregon on Thursday night and next yeah, week yeah, you yeah. got the hula oh, bowl wow yeah. Yeah.
3: impressive that is impressive um, I th- if if you're in a if you're in a two quarterback league QB mm-hmm. flex two quarterback league, Mariota next week is 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 a potential starter, but that Miami secondary has been awesome. I, you know that I, Miami defense is pretty dang good. It is pretty darn good. It's one of the under underrated stories of this season, I think.
5: Hey, Charge, let me ask you a question. Uh, yes. Mariota famously came into the league in the same draft as Jameis Winston. Yes, he did. Which of those two players, from a dynasty perspective, people may be trying to pick up a few guys here and there. Which mm-hmm. of those two guys has a better chance of starting in the NFL next season?
3: Winston, because he's not under contract and he's going to hit the free agent market and be able to you know, try to secure a job that he was not able to get mm-hmm. his past off season. So I, I think he's got a clearer path. Now, if, Mary, if Mariota goes bonkers down the stretch here, maybe, you know, who knows? He maybe forces just, the issue for, yeah, for may, the Raiders? Maybe, maybe he <laughs> displays his maybe, car.
6: Maybe he try to trade him. Yeah, maybe. Uh, ready, uh, quarterbacks with more than five carries against the Dolphins. Cam Newton, 75 yards and two scores. Kyler Murray, 106 yards and a score. Ooh, a little preview of next week. So, <laughs> I,
5: I like it. Well, that. let's see what uh, Cam does against the Dolphins again this week. That might give us the perfect preview for what Ma- Mariota can do next week.
3: Uh, I want to look ahead to next year with a couple of quick questions for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keenan Allen has obviously been resurgent under Air Bear. By the oh, way, oh, we haven't air bared enough this
5: week. We have. Oh. Well, they played
3: oh. on Thursday. Yeah, so. that was yeah. Thursday. That's why. So, Keenan Allen resurgent under Air Bear next year. What round do you believe? Keenan Allen will go and By the way, Eric Bieniemy is going to be the head coach because Eric Bieniemy can pick his spots. Yeah. you know he can he can go wherever he wants. He will go to the team with the awesome young quarterback mm-hmm. because you'd be crazy not to. That is how coaches keep jobs and have longevity: is they hook their wagon to a great you, young
5: quarterback. You know
6: what? You also don't he do. You also though? played for the Chargers.
3: Well, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah,
5: <that's laughs> so a great point, but Maybe. you also don't want to go into the same division as Patrick Mahomes.
3: Well, where you might a, never a win a point. division title. It's a fair point. That is fair that, that part would be tricky. I
6: it? don't know. He probably watches uh, the air bear on TV and he's like, man, I could do some things out there.
3: I know. So where, where does Keenan Allen fit in? He was the guy. He that, was criminally this coming underrated into this, year, this year. He was. That's what I was just it's gonna like say. a sixth round pick. In August, we were like, oh, fine. You know, it's a fourth round. I'll just take Keenan Allen. Now.
6: Mm-hmm. Second round. Yep. Yep.
3: Yeah,
5: I think, I, think he's, I think he's a think tail end of the second round, early third round kind of a guy.
6: He he was leading the NFL in targets and receptions for quite a while uh, mm-hmm. under Air Bear. I, I, yeah, I think he's definitely a second round guy.
5: Will people remember too much the you, end of his season, especially t- if he kind of slides out of the season injured? Yeah. People tend to do that when we get to uh, draft time in <laughs> July do. and August. They do. So.
6: That's why it's second round. It should be first, second corner probably. Yeah, it, pro- it, pro- <laughs> so, it
3: probably should. Um, one last uh, one last topic for you guys before we've got a spare moment. Next year for the Chiefs, as we we mentioned, the Chiefs, Sammy Watkins is not under contract, and I believe he's going to be gone. You know, I think they've had enough of his four catches and thirty yards a game. That's he's, he doesn't move the needle. Is next year finally the Micole Hardman year where he finally you know stays on the field? He gets. 80% of the snaps like Watkins does and he actually does something year three.
6: I don't know that there's enough room for that third receiver to do <laughs> behind Travis Cutler, but yeah, he's probably going to get a little more, a little bit more, but I think what they should do is sign Watkins to a one-week contract so he can <laughs> week play one. week one. Just week one only. Yeah. A week one contract yes, a week. Sammy one contract. Watkins.
5: There's a lot of really interesting wide receivers who are hitting the free agent market next year. I would not be surprised if Kansas City's in play for a guy like Chris Godwin. Uh, Fish's guy Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith Juju Schuster, Will Fuller. There's a lot of really, really interesting guys yeah. who Patrick Mahomes could help yeah. light
3: up the league with. Teams might, players might take a discount to play with Patrick Mahomes, enough. and we, you know, go play for a winner. We would understand that. Uh, thank you for listening to the semifinals version of Fantasy Football Weekly. We'll be here Championship Week next week. Talk to you then. Bye bye. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game.
4: Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
5: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own.